Thank you for tuning in to the Mind Affinity Podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Simon Clements from SC23. The mind is capable of amazing things, and yet so many people use that immense power to hold themselves back. Imagine what you could achieve harnessing that power and using it to push yourself forward. This is the Mind Affinity Podcast, the place for advice and inspiration to help you empower yourself. Simon, thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't you say hello and introduce yourself? Thank you for having me, Duncan. It's a privilege to be on. Um, my name's Simon, as Duncan said, and I am a creative designer um, with my own business, SC23 Creative. And yeah, I help businesses look the very best they can be through their design and creative marketing. Yeah, but who are you? Tell me about <laughs> you. Um, well, I'm a, generally, I'm a, I'm a father. I've got my little boy, Harry. Um, I'm a husband. <laughs> yes, he, he, he certainly got a soft spot for you. <laughs> um, no, I'd say I'm, I'm you know, a, a just genuine down-to-earth guy who likes to help people, really. Um, and I can do that through my skills of, of my creative design. And, you know, that's what, that's what I love to do, really. I'm quite, I'm quite laid-back, easygoing. Um, yeah, just, just, just want to help people, really. Nice. So what got you into the world of graphic design? Um, well, I am very lucky. I, I'm, I'm aware of how lucky I am because I knew at an early age I wanted to do something creative. Um, I, through middle school, um, I did work. I, I did a lot of art, did a lot of drawing. I've always had a sketchbook. Um, and yeah, as, as my education progressed, that kind of developed my thinking into making it into more of a commercial kind of pathway. And I did um, an A-level, I started an A-level in art, which was fantastic, but I didn't really see the potential for me personally to make a career out of it. So I then switched and went for the, the graphic communications, as, as it was described then. Um, so yeah, ever since then, I did um, an evening class in Photoshop. Um, that was about, actually, that was probably before my A-level. So I even started dabbling in Photoshop, probably about 14 um, but yeah, then I then I, when I did do my uh, A level in graphic design, that led on to I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed applying um, creative solutions to problems, and therefore that that, that development. So my next education was obviously then going on to a foundation degree in art and design, um, specialising in graphics, and then I did my high national diploma in graphic design with a um, specialism in advertising. After that, so yeah, after that, and then then it was time to go and get a job. <laughs> So where did you start off? What was your first job? Well, straight from uh, my higher national diploma, I did, uh, at the end of it, you do like um, an end of year exhibition and you take your project and you, you basically do a presentation. And there was a representative there from Cadbury in Birmingham. And they came and they, they, they said they were very impressed with my work, and which, was, which was very nice. Um, I've never been one for like believing my own confidence and stuff like that so obviously we'll come on to that later but <laughs> so to hear that from a company such as Cadbury was really fantastic and you know quite humbling and they just said to me would you like to come for a trial and I said oh, well no brainer absolutely so yeah I jumped in I went to um I was living just safe for Birmingham at the time so it was a half hour commute-ish um yeah and I did a, a week's trial and they said do you want a take you want to come on board and I said oh absolutely so that was my first um experience in actually having commercial um side of graphics and actually working for a business uh, I was part of their in-house uh, team as a freelancer 
working on anything from promotional. Um, I did do a bit of the concept stuff on packaging, uh, point of sale work. So, you know, it, it gave me an amazing foot in the door. Um, I'm very grateful for that and also gave me, uh, opened my eyes a bit to, you know, what involved being a creative. So, right. yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's nice. It was a good experience. Good experience. So you said, um, you said you've not always been great at having confidence in your own work. Yes. And, and I think um, that's, that's a common theme among creatives in general, isn't it? You know, uh, my uh, good friend of mine's an artist and, uh, she said something along the lines of art is never finished. You just get it to a point where it's not as bad as it was before <laughs> or something like that. No, I, I agree. <laughs> that sounds that, yeah. a little bit defeatist, but I understand. I think, I think the, the, the not, not problem, it's not a problem, but most creatives do have um, a perfectionist trait in them um, because, you know, we, we want it to be the very best it can be, uh, whether that is a piece of art for ourselves or whether that is in, in design terms, a piece for a client. Um, one thing I do find and I truly believe is this is probably why I stepped away from art. Art just wasn't for me. It's a fantastic avenue to go down. It's very creative, lazy to express yourself. But for me, it was kind of going down the, the creative route and you have to kind of get to a level where you're designing not for yourself but you're designing for the client because mm. not only that they're, they're, they're paying you but obviously the money for me is it, it, you know we've got to pay the bills but for me it's that satisfaction of the client and sometimes we get the clients that say you know I really like this option and I'm kind of like no, you should probably go towards that one it makes more sense you know <laughs> from um, you know your ideal client's point of view and I won't say, no, no, this is my way. Um, there are, you know, there are some that do that, but each has their own ways of doing things. But I'll just give them my expert advice, my experience and my advice. And, you know, I'll try and guide them. That's what I try to do. And I think it's important to, to yeah, put your client's needs first. But, you know, you, 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 I, there is an element that you need to be happy as well. But that kind of falls down the pecking order a little bit. And for those listening who don't know, Simon's actually designed, well, all of my stuff that doesn't look like I designed it myself, <laughs> which is anything that looks good, um, uh, yeah, basically. So yeah, Simon does a does a great job for me. Um, oh, thank you. We're not here to talk about your business. We're here to talk about the man behind the business. Me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really talk about. It, so yeah. <laughs> so you say you say you've always struggled with that confidence. Yeah. That wording I would use for something that you said. Yeah, um, yeah. My words. That's fine. Uh, is that really always? Do you remember a time when you didn't have that? Um, the only time, and this is me to be, as well, I, I pride myself in being completely transparent and honest. The only time I've started really believing, obviously when I was really young, I didn't really remember that kind of thing. So I'm talking probably from about, probably from high school. So probably, probably about 13, 14 onwards. Mm. Um, my upbringing was very, uh, it wasn't a bad upbringing. I'm aware of that, but it was also very, um, I suppose we're sheltered. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really encouraged to, um, you know, step outside my comfort zone. So everything was always really safe. And I think that's passed on by, you know, parents and how they are and stuff like that. And, and to that extent, you know, it's understandable, but I missed out on a lot in my childhood. Um, I was very, very much, my own company was way forward, which is fine. And, you know, to an extent that's carried on to today. Um, but yeah, going back to your question about the confidence, I think literally in the last 18 months, maybe a year, 
that's starting to come out now. And I'm, I've, I've made a conscious, conscious decision um, at the beginning of 2019 to really just, I don't know where it was. I'm not a massive fan of New Year's resolutions, um, but it kind of just hit me and something just said to me, you can do more than this. So I've took steps to personal develop, to do some personal development, to really just put myself out of my comfort zone. And yeah, just really put myself out there. So I'd probably say pre-2019, the confidence issue was there. And obviously it's a slow process, as you know, it's not a instant switch. Oh yeah, I'm awesome, kind of straight after. Um, I'm not saying I'm awesome by the way, I'm not a big head. You but are. <laughs> <laughs> a big head or awesome? <laughs> uh, well, you know, if the cat fits. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name's Simon Clements and I am the owner of SC23 Creative. I help businesses look the very best they can be whilst helping them deliver their visual marketing messages. We cover all things through brand and identity, print and online and digital. So if you feel you want to get more brand pride back in your business, give me a shout, let's have a chat. You can find me online at www.sc23.co.uk or just drop me an email to hello at sc23.co.uk. I look forward to speaking to you. In 2006, um, I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone who doesn't know about that, it's formerly known as ME, and basically it's a, it's, it is a, a very much mental and physical illness, but it's also a cycle. So throwing that in with the, the lack of confidence and always being a natural warrior, um, depression, anxiety, throw that into the mix as well. And yeah, he's thrown up a few um, issues along the way, let's say. Um, do, do you think that that, I'm going to say isolation, you know, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, I know what you mean, spending yeah. a lot of time in your own company. Yeah. Do you think that's what led you to go down the route of exploring that creative side? Do you think if you'd been doing something different, you'd be as likely to have spent the time on that because it's a very or can be that creative arts can be a very solitary thing can't it yeah absolutely and obviously working for yourself as well um that's probably why i mean people say to me you know you work for yourself it must be really difficult working from home and on your own and i'm like well, I kind of just got used to it and that's probably linked to the whole um as we said we were saying being isolated when i was younger but in terms of the creativity i i, I did i mean i've always had a sketchbook from an early age because i'm well, memory is not always great, so I always like to put stuff down as I think about it. But also, it allows you to express yourself, and, it, and it's something that you can put down and reflect on later. And that's really what's what happened. So, in that instance, yes, probably the, um, the the isolation at times, yeah, it probably enabled me to explore more creativity. Um, I think I've always been with creatives. I think you know you are kind of that way inclined you can learn some of the applications and you can learn some techniques and stuff like that but a lot of creative people i have already got that ingrained in their dna um but yes i think the isolation has probably enabled it a little bit more um, to give me time to explore so what's been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome um the the chronic fatigue is has been difficult i'm in a lot better place than i was now but obviously we're going back to 2006 when i first found that out i mean i was carrying on i was at cabri at the time um and that's one of the reasons i actually left but i'll tell you about that in a minute um yeah i was like playing football with the the guys on wednesday evening and i was just feeling really sluggish and i wasn't really sure what was going on and i think that 
lack of understanding and lack of support from medical professionals because it might be better now but obviously you know 14 years ago there wasn't really much understanding about it and they just thought treated it like anxiety depression which was all factors of it but you know get into that essence of what it was um and that probably lasted for the first five years of having it it's just this not knowing and also the acceptance um of what was going on what i almost tried to fight it because i didn't know what was going on so you know i shouldn't be like this you know i'm young i've got my, my health oh, i thought i had my health well other than that i have so it was kind of yeah getting my head around that and and you know, I'm not ashamed to admit in the early days, it was so confusing. I had some dark moments. I mean, I never attempted anything or, or would have done anything, but I had those dark moments where it was kind of, you know, what's going on? I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be here. And those thoughts did arise. And, you know, growing through the years, you know, when I've had episodes of relapse, those thoughts have come back. But, you know, thankfully, they're getting less and less and the last since i've been doing this personal development last 18 months or so yeah i'm a, I'm a lot better place now than i was 10 years ago and before. i think i think that's an important point actually uh, that people don't always give a good amount of consideration to which is those thoughts dark thoughts as you refer to them yeah um they are normal and that yeah. is okay yeah um, when you're struggling with something whether that's something that's very, very short-lived that you can see the future from uh, or, or doesn't take long until you can see the, the bright uh, light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. Yeah. Um, or whether that's, and obviously even more so when that's something that's long-lived and you don't know um, and you can't perceive an end in sight. It is normal to have those thoughts. And it's really yeah. important to recognise and notice the difference between having those thoughts and working on overcoming that um, and pushing them down, which I mean, I don't think that helps. <laughs> I think that makes it a lot worse. I'd love to hear on from personal your... experience. It does. Yeah. Um, that was something that happened to me early on. I'll kind of, I've always been one that's not really, um, I've always bottled stuff up. And obviously again, as part of this kind of progression that I've made, I've met amazing people such as yourself and you know, you guys have, have helped me understand this more and also look at things in a different way but yeah previous to that it was part of my personality I think that if there was a problem I'd try and go for the easy route um, and what you said there about the, the thoughts they are normal at the time I didn't think that I thought I was some kind of you know standout I was gonna say freak but you know what I mean I was kind of you know I was abnormal I thought this isn't right I shouldn't be like this um, but yeah re recognizing them and adapting it I think it's important. And the weird thing is feeling abnormal is probably the most normal experience yeah. um, for, for any human. You know, we you just don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And obviously the nature of my job and what I do, I see a lot of clients for a whole range of things. And with my focus being anxiety, there's obviously a lot of very, very similar things that I'm discussing with people, but it affects people from all different walks of life, all different personality types, all different um, avenues you find people who have the same problems, related problems, similar issues. And the, I think 
the vast majority of people that I speak to about that stuff and in that context, they find it a relief to realize that they're not alone. Oh, definitely. Definitely. The acceptance and from myself of accepting the condition, but also realizing that it is normal inverted commas. Um, that's, that's massive. That's, um, yeah, that, that it's, it's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. It really is because you feel, I think when you feel it's just you, um, and with any kind of mental illness with depression, anxiety, I think the, the way your mindset shifts is instantly into that. It is just me. And you, you isolate in this it's kind of little bubble. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I remember when I've had episodes of like my depression and stuff and, and my wife has said to me, she said, oh, you know, go and see someone, you know, or not, obviously I'm seeing her, but like friends and stuff. She goes, see me, it would help. And deep down, I know it will, but there's almost like a block put in front of me. It's like, no, no, can't do that. Don't want, you know, I think it's, and yeah, what eventually I do go and I come back and everything's fantastic. <laughs> it's been a really good experience. I've enjoyed it. But there's that kind of negative kind of trap that we fall into. So have you found something that helps you personally to take that step to go and reach out to someone? Um, yeah, as I move, as I, you know, I, I enjoy chatting to people. Um, again, that's not always been the case. I, I've not, not, not went chat to people, but before it's not been my list of priorities, but now I like engaging with people. So chatting with people is fantastic. Um, you know, building your network of supportive people. Is, is massive and another thing for me as well is, is distraction um for example i can't not now while we're in currently in lockdown but i really enjoy going to the cinema and i like going to the cinema um i like it to films at home to an extent but the cinema it's like an experience you go i can switch off and if i've got some and like you'll know thing with anxiety it's a very real problem but it also elaborates on problems and makes them worse yeah. sometimes not all the time feel worse than they are. So I could go to a cinema, watch a film, be quite anxious about something, and um, watch the film, get completely engrossed for an hour and a half, two hours, come out, and I've almost forgotten what I was worrying about. Yeah. Um, now, that's not saying the worry isn't real. It's saying that the way I'm dealing with it is kind of, I'm not panicking about that. There's such an important message there. The worry is rarely as bad as you allow it to become. Yes. Anxiety isn't the problem the way you respond to that anxiety the the way you think about that anxiety creates a far bigger problem that's not to say that there's nothing genuine there to start with but it's the way that you interpret that it's the way that you think about that and it's allowing yourself to worry about the fact that you're feeling worried that yeah. creates so that's a much bigger problem when you strip that away it's a lot easier to deal with the actual problem at hand. And one of the reasons I think that so many people get to that point is because they don't want to acknowledge that the start of it. They don't want to acknowledge that worry to begin with. And that is what then leads to everything else. Because if you don't acknowledge that, and if you don't want to feel that way, pushing it aside doesn't make it go away. No. Pushing it down and fighting against it will only make it worse. Taking a break from it, like going to the cinema, allows you to come back to it and then actually acknowledge and accept the worry, initial worry, because what you're doing there effectively is you're going from, you know, little worry grows into big worry. Then you run away and go <laughs> for a bit. And then when you come back, you're happy to accept that initial level of worry that you could have just started with, 
because that's much easier than the level of worry you'd built up to before going to the cinema. Yeah. And when I was doing my, um, uh, I did a few bits of um, specialist learning therapy thing for my chronic fatigue. And, and that process was described as, as, as uh, destructive thoughts, um, but also snowballing. Like you just said, starts off little, you worry about it. Then you worry, you're worrying about it. So it gets even bigger and it goes down this hill getting bigger and bigger. And, and then you've also got the, the, the classic, hang on a minute, I'm not worrying about anything. What I've have done I that. got to worry about? <laughs> yeah. You worry about stuff, but you worry about not worrying about stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I've had mornings, and this, this still happens to some extent now. I think it's because I've been through so much previously that now, obviously, the anxiety and that, I still get it. We all get it, you know. It's not, I'm not ashamed to say that, but it's a lot better than it was. And I do have days where I think, should I be worrying about it? Do you know what I mean? Subconsciously, you start thinking, should I be this isn't normal. I've got nothing to worry about. What's, what's going on? Um, so, so yeah. <laughs> you say that it's a lot better for you now. And I yes. appreciate there's probably not one simple single thing. No. But what have you found has really helped? And what would you say to someone listening that's in a position that you were in, say, 18 months ago? Yeah. What should they do to start their journey to getting to where you are now? I think the key thing for me personally, and, and, and everyone is different, was the acceptance of it. Not fighting, putting a resistance up against it, because that was wasting energy fighting it. And the more I've gone on that road, the more I've realised how much that helped. So it's, it's lifting that roadblock and actually, re- okay, fine, I've got this condition. That's, you know, try and get educated on it if you can. Um, you know, speak to a professional such as yourself um and that will help with your understanding of it understanding it and accepting it is is i'd say that's the main thing to start with um moving along the journey that's obviously important but obviously as you get past that initial stage you can start doing stuff like you know for example putting yourself out there on social media things like videos and stuff and and, you know there are experts out there that can help you get on that but a lot of people say they don't want to go on because they don't like the way they look and they don't like the way they sound and trust me that that was me and I'm still not 100% happy but at the same time I'm thinking I'm putting this out for a purpose and you know even if people do say those things which you know they won't and they haven't um you know do it for you do it to give values back um so yeah as you go along just just Baby steps as well is really important. Um, I think we all have a tendency to be more self-critical than we would be of other people, right? Yes, definitely. And it's the same with advice. I think you, 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 I'm, I'm terrible. I'm really good at listening and, and giving people advice, whether that's professionally or you know personally. But taking the advice myself, yeah, not so much. And I think Simon's not alone. There's lots of people who are good at giving advice and not necessarily so good at listening and taking it on board. One of the best things you can do there is when you're in a difficult situation and you're looking for some support and some help, think about what advice you would give to somebody else if they were in that situation and maybe take some time to listen to your own advice. That is all the time that we have for today's podcast episode. Please do tune in same time next week for part two of my chat with Simon to find out more. Thank you for taking the time to check out this podcast. It's been great having you here. If you want more, just head to mindaffinity.co.uk forward slash podcast. And while you're there, why not check out the rest of the site? 
and if you're on Facebook, search for Empower Yourself and Others. Come and join the Facebook community full of positive support and encouragement. It'd be great to see you in there.